Cancer Research UK Cambridge Centre podcast. In this Integrated Cancer Medicine Research in Focus series, I talk to various ICM members about their research and how it is supported by the vision of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine. MFICM research uses cutting-edge analytics to maximise the use of diverse high-volume datasets and by capturing cancer heterogeneity in time and space in patients receiving active treatment. Integrated Cancer Medicine aims to transform the way the world treats cancer by affecting patients along their treatment pathway and ultimately accelerate cures. Today I have with me Professor Grant Stewart and Professor Ava Sala and we are going to talk about the WIRE clinical trial. Professor Stewart is Professor of Surgical Oncology at the University of Cambridge, co-leader of the Integrated Cancer Medicine Programme and Chief Investigator for the WIRE trial. Professor Sala is Professor of Oncological Imaging at the University of Cambridge, co-leader of the CRUK Cambridge Centre's Advanced Cancer Imaging Programme and co-leader of the Integrated Cancer Medicine Programme. If we could just start with uh, Grant, if you could just give me um, a bit of a background on what disease the WIRE trial focuses on, please. Yeah, thanks, Ellie, and thanks for uh, inviting us along to this podcast. Um, So uh, I'm a kidney cancer surgeon, and um, all of my research focuses around kidney cancer, pretty much. And I'm interested in the disease because it's the, the seventh commonest cancer in the UK, it's the most lethal of all of the cancers that I as a urologist encounter. So it's, it's more lethal than the much more common prostate cancer and also, also bladder cancer. And it's a cancer that presents very quietly. So like ovarian cancer, like pancreatic cancer, uh, the majority of our patients have uh, few symptoms uh, often, and they often don't have any relevant symptoms. So they don't have the, the sort of red flag symptoms. So It's a cancer type that really needs a lot more research because if we can identify the disease early, we can cure the disease with surgery. But equally, if we identify the cancer later on when the the tumour is larger, we need some better ways of ensuring that uh, surgery uh, can be effective as a curative treatment. And and that will need um, other treatments in addition to the surgery. And and is this the focus of the WIRE trial, these other treatments? Yeah, that's right. So that falls into our interest of uh, giving drug treatments in and around the time of surgery. So you can either do that before the operation or after the operation in what's called adjuvant treatments. So the the WIRE trial is a a study where we give drugs to patients who um, are eligible and interested in participating before surgery. Um, before surgery, you can either give a short course of drug medication, and that's what we're, we're doing in WIRE, or you can give a longer course, uh, which is called neoadjuvant treatment. So WIRE is this short course of drug treatment in this so-called window of opportunity uh, between diagnosing the cancer and being able to get our patient through to the operating theatre and, and undertake the surgery for them. And a little bit about the trial. Um, how is the trial funded? Yeah, so this is uh, fairly uh, novel, I think, in the in the grand scheme of clinical trials, because it's it's really funded from three different sources, uh, all working in collaboration. So it's funded through our CRUK Cambridge Centre funding, 
It's funded with our partners, AstraZeneca, who the initial drugs in the trial are, are all supplied by, by AstraZeneca. And it's also funded by the Mark Foundation. And as you mentioned, we're part of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine. And when did it open? We had our first patient first visit in um, September of 2020. Uh, we opened uh, just a month or so beforehand. Obviously, we had a little bit of hold up last year because of wave one of the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Sure. Um, and so how many patients have you got currently recruited and how many do you aim to recruit in the future? Yeah, so we've been absolutely thrilled by how well this has been received by patients. So we have had uh, seven patients complete the trial already. And for this type of study, that, in my experience, is pretty remarkable, actually. And that that's considering the the issues we've had in in our hospital, as many hospitals have around coronavirus. That's been very good, and 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 actually, you know, that that's not only been great interest from the patients, but it's also been because we've been able to coordinate with um, all of the colleagues required to do this quite intricate uh, study, and and Evis uh, has has made sure that we've we've got all of the radiology that we need, you know, which is multifaceted it's getting a biopsy promptly the study involves mri scans at, before starting drug and at the end of the drug treatment and she and colleagues have ensured that we've got those in a very timely fashion and that we're able to do the image processing which you'll speak about at some point um, so perhaps we can perhaps we can talk about the, the treatments now um, what what is the current gap in the research and and how are you plugging that gap with these novel methods and innovations at the moment if somebody's identified to have a, a mass in the kidney, the majority of people end up having surgery. And 50% of uh, all patients with kidney cancer will eventually die of the disease. So although the surgery is initially uh, beneficial, many of those patients will have a recurrence later on, unfortunately. And, and there's, there's very little we can do. We, there's, there are no proven treatments to prevent that. There are no proven adjuvant treatments given after surgery although there are clinical trials going on in that area. So we're giving the pre-surgical treatment we're, and we hope that this will benefit people in terms of a, a better um, survival from kidney cancer in, in the long run. So the treatments that we're giving in WIRE, WIRE is a platform for us to offer our patients new innovative drug treatments that haven't been used before in kidney cancer. And we are um, offering them treatments that we've got a good biological rationale from Cambridge and AstraZeneca science that they will be beneficial. The main drug type that we want to offer to patients in WIRE are the DNA damage response inhibitors. And that's been a really interesting area to explore with AstraZeneca because these are not drugs that you would typically think would be uh, active in renal cancer because renal cancer patients don't tend to have a very high DNA damage response uh, genetically, uh, unlike say breast cancer or, or prostate cancer. Um, however, there's a lot of biology that we've recently discovered that suggests that in fact, these, these cancers are gonna be susceptible to those drugs. So for example, the key genetic mutation in renal cancer, which is the VHL gene, the von Hippel-Lindau 
uh, gene occurs in virtually all people who get kidney cancer. It turns out that that actually provides susceptibility to having DNA damage response inhibitors uh, be effective. Um, so we think that that, along with some other other mutational information, and also the fact that if you have this um, initial hit of hypoxia, low oxygen conditions in a tumour, which we know occur in renal cancer in virtually all cases, that then those tumours, again, will be susceptible to uh, DNA damage response inhibition. So, so it's this biology uh, that hadn't previously been highlighted that has provided the rationale for us offering uh, DNA damage response inhibitors, so Alaparib, essentially, uh, from the AZ portfolio in wire. So we're using Alaparib, but we're also using it in combination with other medications that are known to work well in renal cancer. And we also think will further potentiate the effect of the, of the Alaparib. So those drugs are in two classes. One is a drug called Sidirinib, which uh, is an anti-angiogenesis drug and reduces the blood flow to the very small blood uh, vessels to the to the cancer. Uh, and secondly, the immuno-oncology drugs, the, the, the T-cell checkpoint inhibitors, which are very effective in advanced kidney cancer. Uh, again, there's biology to suggest that in combination with the DNA damage response inhibitor, that the effect of those two drugs together will be synergistic. So they'll work better than either one on their own. So, so that was the rationale for this platform. And how does um, your work fit in with this, uh, Avis, if I may throw, throw it open to you? Can you describe um, the techniques that you've been using? So um, there are several um, uh, techniques that we're actually going to apply for the first time in these trials. We're all very excited about it. Some of the development work um, was done in ovarian cancer, but this is the first time we're actually applying that, the techniques and evaluating them in the context of the clinical trials. So what, we, what we're doing in the wild trials, actually, for the first time, implementing some of the computational methods, but also imaging tools that we've developed um, as part of the advanced cancer imaging program, but also integrative uh, cancer medicine uh, program. So um, a patient will have a, a biopsy prior to starting the treatment of the trial. Uh, traditionally, um, the biopsy is guided by imaging um, to ensure that the biopsy is safe and it actually samples um, any part of the tumor. With the wire trial, for the first time ever, we're actually using a new method that not only samples the tumor and safe, but also samples different parts of the tumor. What I mean different mean that they look different imaging uh, or so-called tumor habitats because they have a different combination of, of blood flow, of of tissue or tumor permeability of the cell density. So we'll be able to actually have a more in-depth knowledge of, of what's going on in the tumor, but also ultimately when this patient comes at surgery after they've completed the course of treatment, we will be able to track those changes that have happened in the tumor. Uh, and because we'll have sampling and biopsy in surgery, we can also look at the tissue, what has happened. That in the future, I'd hope, will help us um, establish the virtual biopsies. So we really don't have to biopsy patients multiple times in the trial, but just by looking at imaging, we can actually tell if the drug is working or not. You know, it's not current immediate, but this is, this is what we'll aim uh, in the future. Obviously those patients will undergo MRI, uh, which uh, will have some anatomical images, but also will have some of the more advanced MRI, like fusion, fusion MRI, which tell us a bit more about the physiology of the tumor. 
So uh, we've developed computational methods that can extract quantitative data from all these MRI sequences, and they can combine them together to uh, generate those imaging habitats, which are essentially clusters of, of different uh, combination of those parameters. Then the images with the MRI, and then those habitats, which are overlaid on the MRI, are sent to the ultrasound machine, which is uh, obviously in the clinical department. So when, then when patient arrives for the biopsy, uh, those habitats are loaded uh, into the machine. And then as the biopsy is taken, the radiologist would, will sample those areas um, uh, guided by the, by the imaging habitat. So you overlay the MRI with the imaging habitat with the ultrasound so that you can really sample them. So these this new tools and computational methods are developed and then applied before the treatment is started. At just prior to surgery, in order to track those changes in imaging, we've actually developed an another method to sample the tissue. So uh, we would do 3D uh, printed molds that are not only patient specific, but they're, um, they're also tumor and kidney specific. Um, so uh, the whole kidney with the tumor as it comes out is put on these uh, specific molds, which are really designed based on the MRI. So now as the pathologist is actually sampling the tumor, uh, they can sample accurately the areas that uh, we are following up on imaging, various parts of the tumor. So you cannot only spatially trace or track the, the, uh, the changes treatment, but also temporally. So we can eventually uh, understand in a non-invasive way uh, what is happening to a tumor. Yeah, and I think it's important to say that we've, we've done these individual elements before in kidney cancer and ovarian cancer. I think WIRE is a great example of putting our very best science into a clinical trial to see um, what clinical benefit we can give to our patients and better understanding of the tumors and such like. And so this is the first time, I think, that we've put all of these elements together in a clinical trial. It's the first time globally that's been done. Exactly. So the reason that we're super excited, actually, we, we are applying all this um, in the context of a clinical trial. So uh, we've now brought together the computational part, the, so the quantitative extraction of, of imaging data, the, the new, the, the, the novel AI algorithms to actually generate those habitats and the tools to actually um, sample uh, the tissue precisely. Another um, a new element to the, to the trial is the uh, hyperparalyzed um, MRI. And that is adding an ad another layer of understanding of what's going on in the tumor because this is a very quick imaging of the tumor metabolism. So what we want to do is quickly see what happens to the metabolism in vivo, so with the tumor in the patient, before and then obviously uh, following treatment. Um, and this is really work that's spearheaded by my colleague, Professor Fodja Gallagher, uh, has been done in a, in, a, in a few cases before in breast cancer, mainly in the Parkinshire, but this is, this is really the first time done in a, in a proper way to combine the anatomical, the physiological, the metabolic imaging, the computational part of it on top to insert those tools to actually sample the tissues. So this is a significant change in the, in the patient pathway. And, and, and how do you think it will impact the, the patient treatment outcomes? So you're right, it is quite a significant change. But it's uh, interestingly, it's almost what patients expect to happen. So they, they're aware of friends and family who've been treated for other cancers that have had biopsies and, and repeat imaging and have had drug treatments before surgery. So in many ways, this is not something, although it's different for us as clinicians, because this isn't 
the the normal NHS pathway, if you like, the, our patients are unfazed by it. It's important to say that the primary endpoint of WIRE is not patient survival, because we're giving a very short treatment of drugs in that window of time, which is one month, between when I see a patient in clinic and say, tell them what's happening, there's a cancer, it needs to be removed by surgery. And then one month later, them having that operation. And that month is almost always the case because that's how long our, that's our capacity in the hospital. Those are our NHS cancer targets. And so we have the exact number of surgeons and operating lists to deliver that. So they get a short period of drug. We can't look at survival in the relatively short follow-up timeframe that we have. That's for a future study. But what, so what we're assessing, once again, we're going back to radiology where we know we've got great surrogate endpoints. And so um, we're measuring radiological characteristics that look actually at the uh, very small blood vessels once again and, and how leaky they are. And we expect that that should change over quite a short period of drug treatment based on our previous studies in previous uh, clinical trials like the NEOSUN study, which was undertaken by Professor Tim Eisen and uh, Evis and Ferdia Gallagher were involved in that. So, you know, we're putting all of these tools into use um, once again. Do you think that this new paradigm will be accepted into standard of care eventually? There is more effort in from the computational team and preparation done before that. But actually, uh, in terms of patient experience, it will only add uh, 10 minutes um, in, in the procedure room. The other thing we've done with the 3D molds, we've made it so it doesn't disrupt the process of the pathologist processing the tissue. It, it adds an extra layer of, of providing a, a mold, like a, a little you know, plastic box in a way. Other than that, the tissue is processed exactly the same way. So the information that is needed for staging purposes doesn't have to put a, a bigger extra effort to, to actually uh, process the samples. This is really important because there's a patient acceptance, but also it's a workflow acceptance. So actually, just to build on that, the, the acceptability seems to be very, very high. Fortunately, there haven't been too many side effects from the medication either, which is good. And that shows the skill of our oncologists in making sure that the dosing is right and that the side effects, if there are any, are managed promptly and well. So I think it will be very well received and accepted by patients if this becomes standard of care in the future. I think Evers' point is, is absolutely critical that clearly in this study, we're biopsying more people than we do do in standard of care. Let's say that's one example. We're imaging at an extra time point to, to what we would normally do. And, and there's a little bit more work from the pathologist. And that's fine in the center like ours where we're kind of well set up to do this. We've got a very res a strong research profile. We've done a lot of these things piecemeal before and now we're putting them all together. What's gonna be really interesting though is to see how the processes work in the other two centers that we're hoping to open very shortly. And they're Glasgow and the Beetson Institute there and Oxford, where we have very strong links with, in particular, with the surgical oncologists. Um, so there, we will see which parts of the pipeline could potentially cause problems. The other exciting thing about this multi-center nature of the study is once again, coming back to the radiology, I think, and Evis will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time ever that we've done a multi-center study with hyperpolarized MRI, um, which is quite exciting. 
Uh, absolutely, this this is absolutely correct, um, and and it's exciting. Um, you know, first because we can apply technology in the two centers, and and also I think in order to to um, make these technologies viable, to to actually make make them make use of them in routine clinical practice, we have to go beyond a single center. Can I ask both of you in in turn, um, how this fits in with your broader research? Perhaps, Grant, if I could start with you. The mission, if you like, for my research program is optimizing the the management of initially localized kidney cancer patients. And I say, I term it like that because unfortunately, despite our best efforts with surgery, and and that's the workhorse treatment of patients with localized kidney cancer, there's no radiotherapy or, or systemic therapy, as we've been discussing. The facts are that despite my best efforts, about 30% of my patients will go on and have a recurrence later on. I've got two main components to my research. The first is uh, around early detection and, and screening for kidney cancer. And we have uh, a significant amount of work going on there, moving through to the, this sort of perisurgical systemic therapy. So I, as well as the WIRE trial, we've just completed a study called Naxivar, which is a clinical trial, once again, again, giving drugs to patients before surgery. This was a multi-centre UK study that I led uh, from Cambridge, where we gave eight weeks of a drug called axitinib to these uh, patients and reduced the extent of local advanced kidney cancer. And that, that's given some really interesting results that we're about to present in an oral presentation at ASCO GU. So, you know, we've got quite a good track record now doing these pre-surgical drug trials. And then building on that, it fits in beautifully with the adjuvant studies that I'm involved with, uh, the main one being the Rampart clinical trial, which is an exciting statistical design uh, called a multi-arm, multi-stage clinical trial, where we can change arms of the study as the study goes along. And it's randomizing standard follow-up after surgery to immunotherapy, either one, one immunotherapy or doublet Im- immunotherapy. I just, actually, I should just touch on one aspect related to that, which is the statistical design. So I've described that has quite a funky statistical design, but WIRE also does. One of the very cool elements is that we have uh, James Wason, who's professor of biostatistics at Newcastle and still has links with the MRC statistics unit in uh, in Cambridge, uh, who has designed the statistical uh, elements. And it's a Bayesian adaptive design. And what that means essentially is that we we give as few patients as possible the drug treatment in each arm until we've proven that it either works or doesn't work. So we have various stages of recruitment. So we've just met the first stage of recruitment in the first arm, which was six patients. We then analyze those patients and see whether we need to carry on and recruit more patients in that first drug arm, sidirinib, or in fact, we can formally move on to the second arm, sidirinib plus elaparib. We're sort of doing it in real time, which is almost unheard of in clinical trials for you to get endpoint data within a few weeks, but we're doing that right now. Um, But what's very cool is that we continue to recruit by opening the second arm. So our seventh patient went into the sidirinib elaparib arm. If we need to reopen the sidirinib arm, we can do that. We just pause that second arm and come back to it once we get to that point. So again, fits in really well with the the broad mission of my research. and, And once again, brings in these very exciting bits of research that we've done over the last few years 
imaging, statistics, and the translational work. We haven't talked about that, but ctDNA, metabolomics, working with the Sanger and Tom Mitchell, who's uh, an expert in single cell transcriptomics and genomics, and putting all of that together in, in a clinical trial is extremely exciting. It's a real example of integrating so many different streams of data in order to form conclusions. Um, and Ivis, if I could just throw that question out to you, how, how does this fit in with your broad research? At the end, it's, it's sort of an example of how do I want imaging to actually uh, be playing a role in medicine, especially in the, in the context data integration. You know, I always had the vision of you can extract more from images that you can see. And so far, if it's any stream that we haven't actually used properly quantitatively, it's been imaging because we tend to be qualitative and, you know, describe what we see, but actually all the quantitative information is not used. So that's why, as I, as I started here three years ago, I created a quantitative and radiogenomics imaging group, which really has developed this uh, computational methods, obviously in strong collaboration with the Cancer Institute with the Department of Applied Mathematics and Theoretical Physics, with engineering. So it's, it's been a huge collaboration of various people. And of course, the, with the great support from, from Grant in case of, of kidney cancer. Uh, and now we have a platform that uh, we, can, um, we can do this in, in a way that it can be really um, integrated in a, in a clinical trial and in a clinical practice uh, as we move along. I think also it fits because I really want to sit always on the border. So um, what I do has to be clinically translatable. But I think I want to, to see the, uh, the imaging making a difference or my research making a difference to the patients now in the very near future. My last question really to both of you is where do you see integrated cancer medicine taking us in the next five to 10 years? Evis, perhaps we can start with you this time. I would like to see, and I'm sure we are going to, uh, to achieve that, is that what we develop and will continue to develop in terms of methods, tools, uh, new tracers, new probes, they can actually be implemented into clinical practice. You know, yes, of course, some of them will be through clinical trials to start with and then clinical practice, but I want very much to see them as part of, of this routine trial uh, or, or routine clinical patient work. And I think what is even more exciting that we're going to have a cancer research hospital in the next five years. So even physically, that will happen under the same umbrella. So, so I, see, I see everything coming together. And in five years' time, we're going to have this really a novel clinical trials in terms of design and the compounds used in the clinical trial, but also novel tools, novel imaging, novel ways to look at the data, novel ways to predict the treatment response, novel ways to predict the outcome. But then ultimately, novel ways to actually visualize all of that in our multidisciplinary meetings. So I think the future is fabulous. Thanks. And if I could ask the same question to Grant. Yeah, so I agree with everything Evis has said. And she's basically taken the words out of my mouth for a lot of this. A couple of extra points. One is we've in Cambridge and, and, and actually now in, in many other trusts around the UK, we have fantastic electronic patient records. And we are not able to take advantage of those systems currently. Uh, so both in clinical uh, trials and also hopefully very soon in routine clinical practice, integrated cancer medicine approaches, as is being spearheaded from Cambridge and with the Mark Foundation support as well, is going to allow us to just make, absolutely make the most of that information. So, you know, an example would be, I can look at a scan with Evis and we can choose over what we think of the patient's tumour, but 
understanding the physiology of the patient and and how their disease and the and the patient's performance fit together in what would be the best treatment is 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 an in, intuitive thing that I do with my uh, radiology and pathology colleagues, for example. That's okay, but in borderline cases, it can be very very challenging. And so that's where integrating data and giving us new tools to be able to improve on what we do currently is going to be supremely useful. And then I think the other thing that really is the strategy we've taken with WIRE is integrated cancer medicine is a key way that we can integrate the most exciting of our basic and translational scientific discoveries eventually into routine clinical practice, because we actually have to find a way of making this work, of getting those discoveries from a bespoke basic scientist benchtop into a routine clinically facing laboratory and to the patient. You know, that's just one example. So, so I think that this is the vehicle that we can use to get these things into clinical practice. That's excellent. Thank you both very much for joining me today on this podcast. It's been so interesting to hear all of your ideas and research, um, and particularly about the WIRE trial. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. If you want to find out more about the work of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine, please visit our website at www.integratedcancermedicine.org, where you can find details of the ICM vision, all the current research, clinical trials, resources, publications and team information. You can keep up to date with our latest news and events and you can also sign up for our newsletter. If you would like more information about the work of the CRUK Cambridge Centre, please go to www.crukcambridgecentre.org.uk or you can connect with us on Twitter using our handle at CRUK Cam Centre. Thanks for listening and do join us again soon.